This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. One of the things that I learned while building my business as an entrepreneur, I wish I would have learned it sooner, but one of the things I learned is that when many people get a similar idea downloaded to them, I believe it comes from the Lord, that it's a message that is so important that many people need to steward that message, which really helped me get over the feeling that all ideas had to be unique ideas because I have such a high value for uniqueness. And it also helped me get out of that sense of competition, that my idea had to be better, or if somebody was already talking about something that my thoughts didn't matter on the topic. And once I was able to get that Boy, did it free up so much for me and my creativity and my passion for my work. And I set up today's episode with that because our guest today, Erin Stafford, does very similar work as me. She wrote a book about burnout and it's called The Type A Trap and it's going to be coming out in 2024. She's a keynote speaker. We have so many similarities. And so when I saw her content and met her through a community for keynote speakers, I wanted to have her on the show to affirm this message that I've been putting out that it's bigger than just us. There are many people like Erin and I and others that are putting out great content on how to ban burnout. And so today I am excited for you to meet Erin. She has such high energy and I know you're going to get some good out of this conversation today. So here we go. Hello, welcome to the show, Erin. You're one of us. Hi, thanks for having me, Rebecca. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to be here. I really appreciate it. And I do think that before we dive into all the things that you can share with our listeners, that it bears underscoring that as much as we love to plan and strategize and prepare and have all of our things together, there are always things happening outside of our planning that are meant for us when we are open enough to receive them. And me answering the call to this speaker's boot camp that I'm attending has already introduced me to you and a few other people that I know are going to change my life. It wasn't on my strategic plan for 2023. <laughs> it came into my life and I went, oh, that feels like I should pay attention to it. And so I just want to underscore for our listeners that we don't always have it on our strategic plan, but it could be the thing that changes our business the most. And I feel that way with the community that you're in. You're going to love it. Yay. Okay. So your first book is launching in January. Tell us a little bit about the journey of deciding to write it, what it's about, why it matters to you. Like, Give us some of the backstory so we can be on the insider's track. Yeah, the type A trap, it feels self-explanatory. As soon as we came up with that title, I was like, yes, this is so me and most of the people I know. Because being type A, it can be amazing. We're motivated, we're driven, we're achievers, we're outgoing, we're all of the things. We do, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. But all of those things 
that make us successful, the hustle, the grind, the grit, the long hours, the networking, the schmoozing, the education, all of that, all of those things that make us successful are actually the very things that cause us to burn out. And so really what this book is about is like, how do I continue to pick ass and achieve and accomplish at the highest levels, but do it without burning out and killing myself along the way? Because I don't know about you, I still want to accomplish and achieve and do oh, yeah. all these big audacious goals and things that I have, but I want to do it in a way that's not going to hurt me and my health and my family and my mental health, my physical health. Nothing's made it more clear than the last few years, living through the pandemic, all of that. I mean, we can't just keep pushing ourselves. Our mental health, our physical health matters. And for people that are these type A, that are motivated, driven, et cetera, we tend to find it really hard to slow down. We feel like we failed. We feel like it's going to take us even longer to accomplish our goals. We feel guilty to sit and watch TV or hang out and take a nap. It's like, no, I should be working. Are you kidding me? It's a Tuesday afternoon and I'm taking a nap. We're not good at that. But the reality is, if we don't stop from time to time, our bodies will force us to. Perfect example. I've been pushing really hard lately, and I am really trying to practice what I preach. But a couple of weeks ago, I woke up with vertigo. I don't ever get vertigo. This is not something I get normally. And I woke up and I could not function. The whole world was spinning around me. And this was not just something that lasted for a few minutes. This lasted all day. I had to cancel all my calls, which included calls with my agents, calls with clients for upcoming speaking gigs. I physically can't get out of bed. And after that happened, I was like, okay, I've been pushing myself too hard. Let me look at my schedule. What can I change? Not just today where I feel like crap. I was going to launch a group coaching program. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to do that this month. The world is not going to end if I don't launch this program this month. Let's push that back another month. The masterclass I was just telling you about, I was going to go to this speaker masterclass and I was like, I don't have to go to that. I would love to because I love the people there and it fills my soul and I get so excited. But I'm like, I don't need to go to that. I can watch the replay. It's not quite as cool as being there, but I don't have to go. We have to be able to take an honest look at our lives and realize that we cannot just push, 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 push. We have to take proactive steps to actually relaxing and calming down. In fact, there's this great study that I talk about in a lot of my keynotes. It's by Gartner, the big research firm, yeah. and it talks about proactive rest. And I love it because as motivated, driven achievers, we want to do and achieve. We want to be proactive. I'm always thinking like, how can I get that goal? What's a quicker way to do that? Who could I connect with that's going to make me get that goal quicker, you know? But they talk about proactive rest as something that we incorporate into our days, into our weeks and months so that we use it as a tool to prevent exhaustion and burnout instead of using rest as something just to recover from it. And so we talk about it in my sessions about what does that look like? How do we incorporate proactive rest? Because I don't know about you, I don't love just taking all these days off. That stresses me out because I feel like I'm not accomplishing something. So it's like, how can I incorporate these small moments of rest into my day, into my week. And so this could be not scheduling hour-long meetings. Make them 45 minutes. Let's be real. Most meetings don't need to be an hour anyways. Give yourself those 15 minutes back. Schedule time as buffers in between your calls or your meetings. 
give yourself that half an hour in between them. So you're not rushing from one to the other, desperately having to pee and having to hold it for another yes. hour. It's not good. Hi, UTI, it will happen, okay? Well, ain't nobody got time for that. Like your body yeah. doesn't care about how important you think you are or somebody else thinks you are. Yeah. So just being able to incorporate those small moments of quiet. And another thing I love doing is just turning the music off when I drive my car. And I don't mean for those long road trips. Trust me, my car is my recording studio and I love to sing at the top of my life in there. But for those small, short, quick little trips to the post office, the grocery store, the gym, the school drop-off, whatever, the 10, 15 minute trips, just turn the music off. Enjoy the sound of silence for those 10, 15 minutes. To me, that's proactive rest. That is just giving my body and my nervous system a moment to just be quiet. And it's amazing what thoughts will percolate up in your head when you actually just have time to sit and be quiet for a little bit. You think about how many people say they have the best ideas in the shower. Well, it's because nothing can distract you typically in that cocoon environment that you have. I also say to my clients, first thing when they sign up with me as a coach, we're going to implement a daily stillness practice. And I show them, you know, why it's important, nervous system, all the things you're saying. And I've actually had somebody say, I might just want my money back. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> it just sounds insurmountable because we're yeah. in this frenetic pace of busy. And so stillness feels like slacker. Yeah, we're also in a world that really rewards people that are burnt out, basically. We reward people for working the long hours and working hard and being super, super busy. Those are the people that most people look up to. They're like, wow, how do they do it all? Well, their marriage is on the rocks. They're infertile. They can't have a baby. They're struggling with XYZ. They are constipated. They've had kidney stones and like God knows what other digestive issues or whatever. They might look great on social media and look like they're doing it all. But I guarantee you that there is some struggle happening right. underneath all that. Those are my clients. So I know those are their real struggles. If you are going this hard and this fast all the time, and you're not giving your body that chance to slow down. 100%. And I have looked at the history of work and the patterns of behavior. And I always say to people, you didn't do this to yourself. Societal expectations, cultural norms. We were told that success meant prove yourself and work harder. Well, the burnout research shows those are the first two stages of burnout. So what we were told yeah. success was, we were planted with burnout as an outcome. But also money and power. I mean, yeah. those are also considered successful. And I'm sure in your work, you have seen any number of high-powered professionals who make gobs of money who are absolutely miserable. miserable. They've been told that that is what success is. And yeah, don't get me wrong, that can feel good yeah. for a while. Of course, it feels good to make a lot of money. Of course, it feels good to have some cool, epic job title and be the boss of everybody. Yes, that's great for our egos. And it's much more comfortable to have more money than less. But we all, I feel like, get to a point where you're like, this is just not enough anymore. At some point, I don't care what my job title is. I don't care how much money I make. If I am this miserable, what's the point 
of all of this success if I'm too sick to enjoy it or I'm just miserable and I have no time to enjoy it? That's another thing that I dive into in my book is like, how do we redefine success? That can change. I mean, obviously what we define as success when we're in our 20s or 30s is going to be very different than what we define as success in our 40s or 50s and further. That's okay. Your definition can continue to change as you evolve. It's important for us to regularly check in and be like, is this even something I want to be doing anymore? Sure, I've got the job title, the money, the big team, but I don't really care about this work anymore. I'm not giving my all because I don't care anymore. I don't want to do this. That was my story. I'd spent nearly 20 years with Franklin Covey, wildly successful, traveling the world, doing amazing work, making tons of money. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm not able to use enough of my creativity. Like I want to do something else. And people were like, who leaves a job like that? They all think you're nuts. I'm in burnout because it no longer feeds my soul. Now it's just a paycheck. I just feel like I'm on lather, rinse, repeat. And it was just sucking my soul. And the reality is people don't have to just quit their jobs. I think so often when we talk about burnout, everyone just assumes, oh, okay, well, I just need to quit my job and get a different job. Sometimes, yes, that is the case, but that's not always the case. And I feel like more often than not, it's not the case because if we don't change any of our behavior or change any of the mindsets that we have and the beliefs that we have, it doesn't matter where you were. You're just going to keep repeating the same exact things and just be burnt out again in a new company. It has to go back to us. It has to go back to us reevaluating what we care about, what's important to us, how we want to spend our time. And I get it. This can sound very privileged. I'm not saying quit your job and just go follow your passion. Most people do not have the kind of income or flexibility to be able to do that. But there are always small shifts that we can make in our day-to-day life that will allow us to do a little bit more of what brings us joy. Yeah. A great life is measured in feelings, not paychecks and power and titles. I get it. That paycheck is damn important. But there are always small little shifts that we can do that can help us bring a little bit more joy into our life. And once we are doing a few more things that bring us joy, the burnout tends to go down a little bit because then we don't just feel like we're stuck in this rat race. Like we're actually having time to enjoy and pursue some of the things that we actually like. One of my friends, actually, his job was eliminated last week and we jumped on the phone yesterday and I knew this job was sucking his soul. And he and I both celebrated that he now has the opportunity to go line up with something that is more about the things that he cares about. And he looked brighter and happier than I've seen him in a long time, just days after a job loss. He was given permission to now let go of the thing that was dragging him down. And hopefully he got some sort of severance package, even if it's just a few months that can help buffer you into something that's more exciting. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't have to be some wild and crazy thing. Like we just brainstormed things that he is passionate about. And we looked at what kind of leader do you want to work for? What do you want your day-to-day to to look like? How are you going to use your gifts and talents? And he got so excited just thinking about get my life back. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So you went through not only just with the vertigo recently, but you mentioned to me before we started the episode that you went through your own bout of burnout. Yeah, I mean, I dive deep into my own personal story in there. But don't worry, it's not 200 pages of me just talking about myself because nobody wants to hear that, right? But I definitely do weave in parts of my story throughout the book. I spent the last six years heading up marketing for the largest healthcare staffing company in North America. And as you can imagine, doing healthcare staffing during a pandemic 
It was a lot. It was stressful. Our company led the largest appointment of healthcare personnel in history. So we grew 9x in about two years. We worked with thousands of hospitals and health systems all over the country. We worked with over 50,000 clinicians and physicians at any one time. We had 6,000 corporate employees. I mean, this was huge. And we were growing so quickly that we couldn't keep up. Anybody that's been involved in a hypergrowth company, you know, you are just flying by the seat of your pants every day. You are making stuff up as you go. You're like, well, sure. Oh, well, give it a shot. Why not? There's no time to think through all this stuff. You just have to go and do it. And particularly in the midst of a global pandemic, we were already hypergrowth before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, it was just insanity. And also then you have the pressure of feeling like the work that we're doing really matters. Sure, I wasn't a frontline employee working directly with sick people, but I was making sure that those nurses and those clinicians were in those hospitals so that they could help people. And so you really feel the weight of that pressure of like, God, we have to do this. We have to get these people in the hospital so that they can help. So there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. My team grew from like three people to like 65 people. And then at the same time, my husband and I had been trying to have a baby for the last three years. We had done multiple rounds of IVF to no avail, miscarriages. My husband's father died during this time as well. And so we couldn't see him. We also couldn't hold a funeral because of COVID. We had to put our 14-year-old dog down. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And when you add all of the personal stuff that was going on with all of the professional stress and growth, it was just too much. And I just completely burnt out. And I have always been one of those people that's like, burnout is absolute BS. Give me a freaking break. You're burnt out. Take a freaking nap, get your life together. Zero sympathy from me. I just was so unsympathetic because it just never happened to me. And I was like, how is this even a thing? And then it happened and I ate every single word that I ever said poorly about somebody else who said they were burnt out. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually a real thing. And it's not just about sleep and taking a nap. I physically can't think. I have brain fog. I am not concentrating. Emails would come in and I would literally just forward them on to people on my team never to think about them again. You deal with it. I always say I wasn't delegating. I was abdicating. If you couldn't tell, I'm a very high energy, outgoing, fun person. I love to laugh and joke. I have this great sense of energy. I was like a shadow of myself. I wasn't there. And I remember a bunch of my girlfriends came to town for one of their birthdays and I was hanging out with them. And I just remember the whole time feeling like I was physically there, but I wasn't there mentally, nothing was happening. It was like, I was watching a movie of me hanging out with my friends, but I was just not there. I wasn't myself. I could list a million other things that happened and how I felt, but I knew something had to change. And so that's when I really started getting serious about speaking because I'd always spoken on the side as a speaker at different events and conferences and stuff, but I never thought of doing it as a full-time job. And then once I really got myself dialed in and mentally committed. Like, yeah, this is actually what I want to do. I want to do keynote speaking. I want to do coaching. I want to write. I want to do all these things. Once I started pursuing the speaking, all of a sudden I had an outlet for something that really interested me. And even though I was just pursuing it on the side a little bit here and there, it brought me back to life. And it got me so excited about my life and my career and work again. And then all of a sudden, my day job became more tolerable because I felt like I was actually doing something else that also excited me. 
And I worked on my speaking stuff for probably two more years before I ended up quitting my job. So I spent those probably two years really working on this on the side and filling my soul in that way. And then also making a lot of changes. I did a ton of research on burnout and did a ton of changes inside my head, which is where it really all had to start. And yeah, so I share a lot about that in the book, my journey, but also all of the work we did with our clinicians and how they felt. I also interviewed and surveyed thousands of high achievers from all different walks of life. So people like the Guinness World Record holder for World's Strongest Man, New York Times bestselling authors, retired diplomats and Navy SEAL captains, founders and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, people that are very successful, Olympians, people that you would always consider successful, but from a whole different walk of life, because I didn't want it to just be very healthcare focused. I wanted to really see what other people were doing. Like how the hell do you become an Olympian and not burn out? And what did you do? Tell me, enlighten me. How do I get all of their information, all their tips and tricks and stuff? And so I did a ton of research. I'm excited to hear about some of those interviews. What was the most surprising interview that you did? You walked away from that going, huh, I wouldn't have thought that or just something that really caught you off guard? There's a couple common themes that really come out. One is that there is no silver bullet. There is no cure for burnout. There just isn't. I wish there was. I would be drinking that Kool-Aid, taking that pill, whatever. There isn't. It's like diet and exercise. We got to keep eating well and keep exercising every day. We got to drink the water. We got to take the stairs. We got to eat the salad instead of the French fries. All of these small little things add up. And it's the same thing with burnout, preventing and overcoming burnout. There is no one thing that's going to change everything. It's small little steps and shifts that add up over time to a huge difference in your life. So that is the number one thing that just came out again and again and again. But one of the interesting stories was when I interviewed the Guinness World Record holder for World's Strongest Man, he actually was a like full-blown drug addict before he became the world's strongest man. He was a bartender in New Orleans and he was addicted to Coke. He told me how he did $1,000 worth of cocaine in one weekend. He was out for like two days. His mom thought he was dead, all of this stuff. And so he ended up going to a bar with one of his buddies and the world's strongest man competition was up on the television. And he just decided that day, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna win the world record for world's strongest man. Once he committed to that, he knew he was either going to get it or he was going to die trying, but he had to change because he knew that this was not the path. This path was destruction. And so what's interesting is he spent obviously years working out and working towards this goal. And he said that when he actually finally achieved it, he actually almost died because he took it too far to the other extreme where he was working out a jillion hours a week, a day. And so he went completely, the pendulum swung in the other direction. He said he had the immune system of an AIDS patient because he just was so depleted nutritionally and this and that because he had pushed his body so hard and so far to become this world's strongest man. He just went from one extreme to the other. And that whole process of then undoing that and becoming a much healthier individual, which is really interesting because I think sometimes you see these people winning these strength competitions and they're just as messed up as you and I are. Is he healthy, healed, whole He's now? super healthy, healed now. Yeah, him and his wife run a, funny enough, a fitness organization. 
it's much more tame. He's healthy. He's happy. He's been married for years and they run a really successful fitness organization now where they help people lose weight and get in shape and all that stuff. I love that. Give us another one of your interview stories. These are fascinating. I'm buying the book. Yeah. So another great interview is a multiple New York Times bestselling author. She writes young adult books. So she's written literally 43 books by now. Many, many of them have been number one New York Times bestsellers. They've made movies out of her books, et cetera. So they're all like young adult tween books. Anyway, she's hilarious. One of my favorite people. And she was talking to me a lot about stress and scheduling our days. And she just made some really good comments. And one of them was, pay attention to what you're making jokes about. Because jokes are just jokes until they're not. If your boss or your weight or your husband is the butt of every single joke that comes out of your mouth, pay attention to that. Take that as a sign that there is something that needs to change in that department. It's very easy for us to make offhanded jokes about things. I'm sure you've probably heard friends of yours make jokes about their weight all the time. So they're self-deprecating and they think they're being funny. But the reality is if you're constantly joking about your weight, you clearly don't feel good about your weight. There's clearly an issue there, an insecurity, a problem. So pay attention to those things that you're joking about regularly, because that is a telltale sign that that's an area in your life that needs a shift, that needs a pivot, that needs a bit of attention. And we need to focus on that before it festers too much and becomes a much bigger problem. She also had a great comment about feeling stressed out. So she really is adamant about scheduling her week out. And so every day at the end of the day, she's like, make sure that she has her schedule set for the next day. And so by scheduling out her week, she doesn't stress about certain things on the day. Let's say she has a big proposal due and she's scheduled time tomorrow to do it. She doesn't stress about it today. She's like, you know what? That's tomorrow's problem. It's on the schedule for tomorrow. I have time blocked out for it. I don't need to stress about it today. That's tomorrow's problem. She's allowed herself to alleviate some stress in her head because she's already had time carved out for that. That's tomorrow's problem. I don't need to deal with it today. So I think so often we can like see these mounting to-do lists and we're like, when is this all going to get done? But just being smart about how you schedule your day and making sure that there's time allotted for those things, it can relieve some of the stress and anxiety that you may be feeling today. Mm, Those are so good. I'm so excited for this to come out. It speaks to everybody that's listening right now. I guarantee it. Trust me, I am still a student of this myself. I still am constantly trying to practice what I preach. And I still have days where I need to check myself and just be like, you know what? Maybe you want to back it up. This is too much. You don't need to do all this. I read this great quote a couple days ago that somebody posted. I don't know who said it. But it says, the constant push for more is not ambition, it's addiction. Oh my God, no truer words have been spoken. It's true. I had a doctor on the podcast months ago, and she said exactly that. She not only was a practitioner and worked in a doctor's office, she also volunteered at an addiction center. And she said, we're all addicted to something. And for the high achiever, it's busy. Yeah. I mean, I was working with a coaching client and she's a partner in a law firm and she worked her ass off for two years to become partner. Well, I mean, she's worked her ass off for many years, but particularly in her pursuit for partner became partner. And I was like, well, did you celebrate? Did you go enjoy yourself? She's like, 
well, I mean, we went out to dinner, but I really want to be equity partner. And I'm like, oh my God, you can't enjoy where you are because you're constantly looking for the next high. And companies suffer from this too. I do consulting work with leaders of companies as well. And when I was with the Franklin Covey organization, I worked on the team that implemented the four disciplines of execution. I'd be working with a CEO and he would get thousands of people rallied to achieve this really what we call wildly important goals for the company. And the day of, you know, announcing that they had hit the goal, he would start talking about the next goal. And I pulled him aside. And I'm like, could yeah. we just have a freaking minute for celebration? These people have poured their souls into this thing. Yeah. Like, so as a leader, that's a big trap is yeah. when you do that. Now you just basically spread burnout around like it's nothing. When you think about your life and living it at this kind of new level of awareness, what are some of the things that you're doing and get you excited about the changes that are happening? I mean, there's a lot of things I'm doing. I think just pursuing work that I'm truly passionate about and that I love and that I also have a personal tie to lights me up. I love speaking. I love being on stages. I'm going to do over 30 speaking engagements this year, which is super exciting. So I'm really excited to keep pursuing that with my book coming out. I'm excited that that will be able to get this message in more people's hands because pretty much every speaking engagement I do is a private event for a private organization or a company. So it'll be awesome to be able to get that information out to the masses, to anybody that wants it. I'm also launching a group coaching program, which is super exciting. The book is like, here's the information, do it yourself. Coaching is like, let me help you do this stuff. Do it with me. So that's exciting for the right person. But also for me, it allows me to continue to spread this message and to continue to help hopefully thousands of people. But it also allows me to do it without having to travel all the time. So looking at my own personal burnout, traveling around speaking is so fun and so incredible, but it's also exhausting. So being able to have another income stream that also allows me to help thousands of people, but means I don't have to be on a plane every time I do that work. That's really huge for me too. So I'm excited about that launching. That's going to be launching in October. I was burned out from the travel and now I'm, I'm ready to get back out, but I'm very yeah. mindful. I've already looked at the calendar and said, okay, realistically, how many days a month do you want to be out there? It's hard because the thing with speaking is as much as you say, oh, I'd love to just do two, one a week or three a month or something. It doesn't always work like that. You might get three in three days and then none for the rest of the month. It's not always easy to just spread it all out. And also there are certain months where it's just busier. And then like November, December, you're not really going to be speaking, but everybody wants you in September. How can we stay connected with you? Because we definitely want to know when the book comes out. We want to be a yes. part of that now that we're in the inner circle of how this all came to be. Where do we connect with you? Absolutely. So the quickest, easiest way is to go to my website, erinstafford.com. It's just E-R-I-N-S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D.com. I have a whole resources tab at the top. If you click on that and put your information in there, it gives you access to a free burnout toolkit, a free mental health toolkit, a free burnout assessment. So all of that information's in there. I also keep adding new resources regularly. So that's a great place to stay up to date. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram at Erin M. Stafford. Excellent. I'm so glad we met. I just know this is the beginning of a great relationship and a part of being in your community of speakers. So yeah, thanks so much you. for having me. Absolutely. I look forward to, to chatting with you more. And I'm always here for you guys listening. If you have any questions, please shoot me an email, send me a DM. I'm always here to help. I'm not coming down.
Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all, fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.